who's ever just starting out, you just pick your niche and you pick your one product to promote and you just keep sticking with that and you keep promoting that and you don't get, uh, I think they call it shiny object syndrome where you're like, oh, like I'm gonna do this new program and, and then I'm gonna promote it and people are gonna buy it. And I know it's fun, but it's so distracting if you're trying to build a business and earn an income. If you're just trying to have fun, go do whatever you want. This is Debbie and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our 9 to 5. Hey listeners, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Lucky for you, I have created a new site that will help you learn how to launch, grow, and monetize your own show. I offer one-on-one mentorship programs and I'm launching an ebook, How to Create a Profitable Podcast, that can help you take your podcast from hobby to profitable business. Visit howtocreatepodcast.com to learn more. Again, that's howtocreatepodcast.com. See you there. I'm so excited to speak with today's guest, Eli Adelson, who is the co-owner of Peace and Harmony Co. He built his company to a high-figure business while traveling the world, living abroad in Europe and Asia, and finishing a degree while in Thailand. While not everything works out perfectly, he lives a life most people dream of. Now he's passionately helping others live and flow when things work out in your favor effortlessly so they experience more success, more joy, more often in both business and life. Listen on to find out how Eli has been able to build a remote six-figure business while helping others. Hey everyone, thank you so much for being here today. I'm really excited to speak with Eli. Hey Eli, how are you? Hi Debbie, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me today. It's really great to have you here because just a few weeks ago, we first met when I was in California and we were talking about podcasting and you being a podcast guest and none of the quarantine has happened yet. (laughs) And now we're all stuck at home. And I know, Eli, you are an avid traveler, so this must be such an interesting time for you. Can you tell us a little bit more about you and why you live an offbeat life? Yeah, so I... I started traveling around 20 years old and just kind of got addicted to it and, and wanted to know more about the world and more about different cultures. So I kept doing it and then decided I didn't want to live in the U.S. anymore and basically moved to Thailand and stayed there for quite a long time and then moved to Malaysia and now it's been 10, 11 years now. It's just the whole offbeat lifestyle, it just really fits me and really resonates with wanting to explore and to to learn more about the world and what it has to offer. Yeah. Well, you have a very interesting story too, because you have been traveling around and you're able to do this through the business that you have. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how it has allowed you to really live this offbeat and nomadic lifestyle? Yeah. So we have a a business called Peace and Harmony Co. where one of our goals right now is, is to create 1 million pockets piece for the US and then other countries and we do it through a free program that you just play and it's completely silent because it's made for offices and whatnot so it just plays in the background but having this this outlet uh, it's it's me and my my father so I'm a little bit at an advantage where some people might not be able to go into business with with one of their parents or their significant other or a friend 
or even have something set up in, in mind. But it was kind of out of the blue. Like he just asked me, he's like, do I want to work with him and start doing stuff? So I started doing copywriting and was only earning a little bit of money. But living in Southeast Asia, a little bit of money goes a long way. So you really only need like $1,000 a month, $1,500 a month, and you're good. So that's kind of how I got started with the copywriting. And then kind of slowly, we just kept building it up. And now I have no idea what I would do if it wasn't for that business. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's a really great way for you to do that too, because now you're able to do something that you are interested in and also help other people while you're doing it as well. So that must be really fun for you, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely interesting. I'm, I'm, it has it has days, you know. I'm sure everything does. <laughs> so, what is it about the company that you built with your family that really got you to be so inspired that now it is a huge business for you and your dad, and it is able to kind of allow you to create this income even throughout all of these different crisis that we have now that's really what the dream is about yeah so that's a that's a good question i i started doing email marketing and and copywriting to begin with and it was because i had just finished university i i finished my i did an online program when i was in thailand and and lived in thailand so quick tip for any of your listeners if you want to get out and you're not sure how to do it find a an online program and and they'll still give you student loans if you need to and pick somewhere cheap to live. But I started doing the copywriting and email marketing just because I, I didn't really know what to do. And I didn't want to do an English teaching job or get a proper nine to five. So the, the idea of having that freedom and, and having that flexibility had already appealed to me. And this was just a, a chance to do it. We primarily started off as more coaching and consulting, which is becoming a huge industry right now and, and growing so quickly and putting together these packages where uh, maybe like three months, six months, a year and outlining what they would get in that and, and signing up clients that way through email and then through word of mouth and, and referral and slowly kept building it up that way. And, and then here and there, we would sell some of our physical products. So, so for somebody who is just starting out when you first started out as a copywriter and email marketer, what were some of the things that you needed to learn in order to be really good at doing that? Because that is really hard to do, you know, being persuasive and marketing to people is one of the biggest hurdles that most entrepreneurs have. Yeah, I I love that question. So copywriting, for, for me anyway, it's all about getting them to feel what they're already thinking about. So I was just talking to someone about this the other day who wanted to, to write a sales letter, but just maybe like a, a short Facebook post because they wanted to get something out there. And, and first, you think of whatever the top of mind problem is that you're trying to solve. So if you're trying to solve stress as an anxiety, what would that, how would that equate to something tangible? And, and for this particular era, people are stressed out and, and that kicks up cortisol levels, which basically deflates your immune system. So when you go outside, you're more susceptible to colds. And right now, that's, it's not a good time to be susceptible to, to anything. So we just say it'll 
help protect you against colds, flu-like symptoms, and, and things like that. And you don't want to have your immune system take a shot right now because of COVID and everything going around. And, and so that's the, the solution and, and the problem that you're leading with. And then throughout the copy, you just hit the points of why, why it needs to be important to them because people don't know until you tell them. And then at the end, you just wrap it up and say, this is what you need and this will solve your problems. And that's a, a really short, condensed version of it. But basically, that's the, the template I've, I've followed is uh, what's the problem? Here's the solution. And this is how you get it. If you have a, a longer period of time, this is the problem. Here's how I'm the expert. And here's the solution that I'm presenting with you. And this is why you need it. So that's kind of my favorite outline. Derek Halpern, I, I took a few of his courses when I was first starting out. And the stuff he taught is absolutely amazing. So I highly recommend anyone taking a look at, at him and reading his free content or even taking any of his courses if it resonates with them. When you first started your business and now that it's obviously established, was copywriting, email marketing and ads the biggest way you were able to get people in to try your products and to actually buy it? Or were there other strategies that you were doing that was also working as well? It was mainly the copywriting and the email because my, my business partner likes to create products. And from a marketing standpoint, it's not good when you're creating a new product every, every week, every couple of weeks, every month, and then you're always having to retarget your marketing and you can't promote anything, which is was one of my huge frustrations is that we'd always have something new to promote so I could never focus on one product at a time and, and really build that up, which is why it took so long to get to where we are now. So that's another great point is who's ever just starting out, you just pick your niche and you pick your one product to promote and you just keep sticking with that and you keep promoting that and you don't get shiny object syndrome where you're like, oh, like I'm going to do this new program and then I'm going to promote it and people are going to buy it. And I know it's fun, but it's so distracting. If you're trying to build a business if you and earn an income, if you're just trying to have fun, go do whatever you want. We had a really responsive email list and that being, it was only like, two or three hundred people at first and and so most of our our business growth was through this email list of two or three hundred people which is a really good point that you don't need a huge email list to have a, a six-figure business we have a, a larger one now it's still not that high i think only like 1600 people or something like that and it's growing and now we're focusing more on growing it but definitely for us email email marketing and copywriting was the main way to go that's a really great point too, because we often think and we often see so many gurus and big marketers and big business people out there who have hundreds of thousands of emails and you think you need that. And it kind of makes you not want to try or maybe makes you feel really deflated when you hear those things. And then you come in, Eli, and you're like, no, you actually just need dedicated people on your email list in order to create six figures or more with your business business. How did you actually get your email list to grow and build? And how did you make sure that the people on your email list were the ideal audience and ideal clients that you wanted to have? Yeah. So in the beginning, it was all, it was before I started working that we had a, a short list. And then my business partner, he would just talk to people and, and get their email by in person. So it was already people that wanted to have conversations with him. 
and wanted to learn more. So we just took their email and, and built it up like that. And then once we got to a certain number, then we just asked them to share what we were sharing with, with their friends and anyone who else they, they would think would benefit from. So the referrals came in huge for that and especially for getting new clients and, and paying clients. And I think a lot of times people are scared to ask for what it is they want. They're like, oh no, this is my email list. I can't say you should tell other people to come and, and join and share this content with them. And if you're going to be living this lifestyle and running some sort of business like this, you definitely need to step up and, and ask for these referrals referrals, whether it's referrals for getting emails or for getting clients. When you're creating the emails that you have, because now you are really good at copy, you know, whether it's ads or for your emails, do you have specific tools that you use? Or I know you mentioned taking classes before for creating copy. Are there things that people should look into before they start creating their own email marketing? I mean, besides having your, your product and your niche and, and kind of having an outline of what you're going to say, if you want to study something and learn more about marketing techniques and sales, one of my favorite things is, is audiobooks. And I, I haven't been listening so much while I've been here, but when I'm back in Asia where I'm based, anytime I'm, I'm going somewhere, I'm, I'm listening to an audiobook. And, and sales audiobooks are just phenomenal, like Grant Cardone, Anthony Inario, Chad Blunt. Like all of these people are, are so good at what they do. And sales is a psychological thing as well. And, and I think a lot of people don't realize that. But once you, once you learn about how people think and a little bit about human behavior, then it's easier to, to definitely hit those points and hit those psychological aspects for them. And, and if people don't want to spend money, go to YouTube. Vanessa Van Edwards, she wrote a book called Captivate. She's got loads of free videos on YouTube, there's another Charisma channel, I think it is. Again, a lot, lots of things. And all of this stuff is mainly for human-to-human interactions, but it's, it's easy to transfer it to written copy because it's all the same triggers that you're hitting and that. So definitely starting out, learn about how people think, learn about communication, learn about sales, and you can do a lot of it for free if you don't have the money to invest. When people hear sales and marketing, that really triggers a lot of people, right? Because you're automatically thinking, okay, it's the salesperson and I don't want to be sold anything. And it has some negative tones to it when you first hear it. And then you realize the really great marketers and the really great salespeople, you don't even know that they're selling you. They're just doing it and you already want to buy. So there's a huge difference to that. And I think Eli has a great point there in that when you're learning from people who are doing this really well, it won't feel like that. You won't feel skeevy. And I know I'm talking to a lot of people here who are creatives. And for me, for myself, before I started getting into marketing and before I got really excited about it, I thought the same way, you know, I, I thought to myself like, oh my God, I don't want to be that person. You know, I'm embarrassed to do that. And then you realize it doesn't have to be that old fashioned way of just selling to sell. There has to be some sort of a connection there because now people are getting smarter. You know, there's so many different options that there has to be a story and a connection for you as well. Yeah, definitely. And and I think the thing that people get twisted about sales is that it doesn't necessarily have to be selling. Like you're, you're in sales conversations all the time, whether you're with a, a group of friends and you're trying to figure out where you want to go out to eat. That's 
effectively sales, but there's no monetary transaction. It's just you're offering value and you have something of value that can help other people and that's all you're offering and, and sales is a way to make them see that it's value, that it, that it can be valuable for them and they might not realize it unless you tell them. What has been the biggest setback that you have encountered as an entrepreneur? I mean, I would say even now, right? Because we often think about in the beginning and I feel like there's a lot of similarities when we begin. But what about now that you're an established entrepreneur? What is the main thing that is your hurdle? Before, it was definitely having too many products to try to promote. Now we've got over 700. Not all are available, but that's uh, that's ridiculous. So picking one thing and going with it for promotion, that that's huge. Even even now, that kind of that was I was starting to go back into that groove just even yesterday being like, oh, like we've got all these. How do we promote it? And then I realized, it's like, no, that's that's not what we need to be doing right now. We need to be just focusing on on these three products that are about to come out and it's the same product line basically like small medium large systems and and eliminating the distractions of anything that isn't going to help promote these and, and build these up it's not necessary because i think a lot of times people get too caught up in in like the little details like oh my website has to be absolutely perfect before i can send anyone to it and everything has to, to work like it's a $100,000 website or whatever. And you don't need that. All you need is PayPal, really. And then if you have people's email address, you can sell directly from the email. And I know it's not ideal. We've, we've done it before. Actually, some of our most successful programs have just been sold directly from the email. So definitely eliminating all these distractions and realizing that you, the core of it is you just need your offer and a way for people to buy and going from there. And then once you start having people buy from you is when you can start to really like hone in and, and make things look pretty and, and build up from there. But it's not a reason that you shouldn't have clients or customers. <laughs> I can relate to that. I think in the beginning, we definitely have shiny object syndrome. And even now when we're in this quarantine and we do have some time in our hands, then we're looking at more things to do, more things to create. And I actually had to do that with myself about a week or two ago. And I said to myself, okay, you can't keep creating new things. Just focus on what you have now because you're not <laughs> going to build it up if you create something new. It's just taking away from your time. So focus. <laughs> right, right. It's hard though, isn't it? It is. It's really hard, especially when you have so many things that's distracting you and maybe you're seeing other people create momentum with what they're doing and you're like, oh my God, maybe I should do something similar. And then you don't realize that other people are looking at you at what you're doing and saying something like the similar, <laughs> you know? And it's funny, one of my friends actually posted this quote saying, you know, what would actually happen if we just stuck to one thing, you know? Like we stick to our college education and we graduate. Like what if we actually stuck to one thing in our entrepreneurial journey and we don't get distracted and just focus on that? What could happen to that? So it is, it's really easy to get distracted by so many different things, but 
as long as you believe in your product and your services, if you focus on it, and there's a lot of times, especially in the beginning, that nothing is happening and you just have to keep going and the momentum is, is going to keep flowing after that. Yeah, exactly. Eli, let's talk about your travels now. I know we can't travel right now, but you have gone to <laughs> a lot of different and really cool places. And you had mentioned you were in Asia. What was that like living there? And your money goes a long way, especially as a digital nomad and you're earning pretty decently with your business. Why did you choose Asia rather than, say, Latin America or, you know, Eastern Europe? That's also Cheap. Yeah, so Asia always seemed to kind of resonate with me. I, I used to have this this big map on the wall of the world in my room, and I used to stare at it a lot. and And I would always more stare at parts of Asia and, and think about what it was like. and I became really interested because it would just throw me so far out of my comfort zone, where I would just have to to learn all these new things and, and adapt really quickly. So my first trip abroad, officially was to Japan and everything about Japan is different than than here. Then nobody speaks the same language, the food's different, and people are crazy polite and, and there's a lot of order and cleanliness to things, which is which is great. And then I just kinda wanted to see more of Asia and see a little bit more of a rough side of it, a rougher side where things aren't so much in your control. And then you really have to decide how you want to react to those situations. So I, um, I ended up in Southeast Asia mostly because you've been to Southeast Asia, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm from the Southeast Asia. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I didn't know that you were actually, yeah, okay. I knew you were uh, Filipino, but yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know what Southeast Asia is like. There's a lot of things that, that can come up that will come up that you just have to figure out if you're going to let it ruin your day or if you're just going to go with the flow. And, and go from there. So I think uh, just wanting to be out of my comfort zone, resonating with the cultures, and then the weather. The weather is huge because I, I don't like cold weather. <laughs> it just appealed to me most. And from there, you can jump off with the budget airlines like AirAsia and just travel all around for so cheap. And, and so you can see a huge chunk of the world for not a lot of money and it is really cheap to live there and, and you can get the best food for like one or two dollars or even better food for like five dollars depending on, on what it is that you're, you're after. I hear that a lot from digital nomads. That's why they often go to Thailand and Southeast Asia because it is so cheap or in Latin America. Your money goes a long way and you don't have to work as many hours. You can work less and actually live life in a better way. You get to experience so many more things. Different cultures really appreciate it without really breaking your back for everything that you're doing like you do in places like like New York City or in California or those big metropolitan areas all around the world. So it's a really great way to have more freedom with your life when you do that. Yeah, definitely. If you're not wanting to jump so far into the whole different cultural thing, then go to Kuala Lumpur or, or Singapore. And those places, everyone still speaks English. There's They're quite diverse in terms of, of cultural and people, but there's it's like a mix of of Western and Asian, and it's it's amazing. I 
Kuala Lumpur is where I've been based for the last few years now. And it's so great to be there because you can still talk to everybody and you can still out, go out to coffee shops and, and start chatting with the person next to you. Whereas Thailand, not so much. <laughs> when you're in another country and you don't know the language, how do you usually make sure that you're still able to enjoy yourself and not feel isolated? Because that can happen, especially when you don't know anyone. How do you make sure that you have a community around you? Oh, well, I mean, that's part of the fun. But now you have places like Meetup where there's groups and, and there's always things going on where you, where you can go and meet people like I was I was living in Osaka for the summer basically for three months during the summer didn't know anyone my, my Japanese is is okay not that great now it's it's even worse because it's been longer and I haven't been speaking it but they have meetup groups and then what if you want like every night there's something going on and you can go meet up with with someone that's interested whether it's hiking whether it's language exchange I think they they have like meditation as well and and like a lot of fitness events or whatnot so whatever it is you're interested in there's always people doing that and people are friendly people want to meet new people even even local people and you just try your best and and realize that if you can't speak the language it's not going to be perfect but that's not going to prevent you from having fun and, and building these connections it's also a great way for you to learn language that way because you're forced to <laughs> oh yeah it's amazing <laughs> you know you teach them English, you learn the language. So it's a really great swap in that sense. I, I love doing those things and you get to meet really great friends because of it. Definitely. And if you are trying to learn a new language, uh, I do recommend alcohol because <laughs> it loosens you up <laughs> a little bit. And because I've, I've been in situations where it's like, oh, I'm trying to learn Thai, but I'm, I feel like I'm going to make a fool of myself if I pronounce it wrong. And then after a drink or two, you're just like, I don't care. I'm going to, and then all of a sudden you speak Thai and then you're just like, what, <laughs> what, what happened? And then, so it's, it's huge in building confidence and, and just loosening up. And if you're like me anyway, if it may be, you don't care about any of that and you can just go and, and start speaking straight away. And, and if you are <laughs> good for you. <laughs> yeah. We don't like to make fools of ourselves. Right. <laughs> Alcohol will definitely be a great way to break the ice in most cases. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Not saying like go be an alcoholic, just just a little bit to loosen up as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're not saying that at all. You don't need to be going to the 12-step program after you're traveling. No, no. <laughs> so Eli, when you are traveling abroad or even now during these crazy times that we have, what type of international insurance do you use specifically since you are traveling for a longer period of time and you're trying to learn the culture? I actually don't have insurance right now. Sometimes I'll, I'll try to do, if I'm staying in a place for a while, I'll try for the local insurance if I can qualify for that just because it can be easier in some senses. But I'm, I'm kind of slacking on my travel insurance game. <laughs> <laughs> I've been hearing this from so many people, but especially during this time, everyone is telling me, oh my gosh, I wish I had gotten it because a lot of my friends and a lot of people that I do talk to are still abroad and they're stuck there now. And there's so many different 
places. There's so many big providers that actually exclude a lot of things. And who knew that the coronavirus was going to come, right? Nobody knew this was going to happen until about a few months ago. So a lot of these places actually exclude things like pandemics or natural disasters in their policy covers. So if someone wants to fall ill for some reason and need treatment for anything under the sun or any of the things that's happening now with the pandemic or even future pandemics, they wouldn't be covered and would need to pay for their treatments themselves. And that could be so expensive. And we're already trying to do as much as we can with the amount of money that we have as digital nomads, as remote entrepreneurs, that we don't want that over our heads as well. That's why I'm really excited to partner with Integra Global because they believe it's their duty to support their members in uncertain times like these and stand by them when they need them. So Integra Global has no exclusions for pandemics or natural disasters in any of their plans. If you guys want to know more about them, check out IntegraGlobal.com and see how they can give you the coverage that you'll need and maybe some you never knew you would like right now. It's so interesting and it's really funny, Eli, because I have been partnered with Integra Global since last year and I've been talking about, you know, we don't know what's going to come up we don't know what's gonna happen and this actually happens and now so many people are like oh my gosh I wish I would have gotten it I'm like well that's why I'm so glad that I have Integra Global because they're amazing so Eli before you get out and start traveling you need to to look into this (laughs) yeah definitely Uh, I'll take a look for sure cheers for that Yeah, you know what it is too, because we're most of us are so young, even when you're not, it's like you don't think that we'll need this, right? Even if you have travel insurance, you don't know what's like what the difference are. So it's really good to make sure that we are going to be covered. And there's a lot of these places that they don't do that for you. So I'm so glad that Integral Global is really stepping up their game. Even before then, I have to say, even before they have stepped up their game as well. So now, Eli, I know that you are really the type of person who has so many goals and so many dreams and you've already done so many things with your life. So let's fast forward to about 30 to 40 40 years from now and you're looking back at everything that you have already accomplished or are going to accomplish. What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? That's a good question. I don't I don't know how much that affects me actually. More so, I just want to I want to enjoy my life and I want to have the lifestyle that allows me to enjoy it whether that's hopping around at, at a, all over the world or like slumming it in uh, well I don't know if I can I can do dorms anymore but um, <laughs> <laughs> but like budget backpacker style or resort style and I, I want to have the option and the flexibility to to choose either one and and go from there like that's kind of personal but then for business um Definitely the the one million pockets of peace for this country, and then spreading to other countries as well. I I don't know what that means for legacy or remembered by, and I don't know. It doesn't really stick in my head as something as that. <laughs> well, I think what you're doing and what you're trying to change will be remembered, even if it's just with the people that are really close to you. I think it's really important to to have that. And that is a really big legacy with just your family and your close ones. Mm, thank you. 
<laughs> what are you currently working on that is really exciting to you? Oh, oh, I, I have a list. <laughs> so we're, we're working on promoting this uh, Peace and Harmony program, which essentially creates a little pocket of peace about a meter around you and relieves stress and tension. It's been used in offices to uh, reduce um, arguments and reduce customer complaints. And, and now with quarantine going on, it can help ease tension with your, your spouse, with your loved ones, and stop arguments and family squabbles if people stay like that anymore. People can get that for free at peaceandharmonydownload.com or they can join the movement and be a peace hero as well and get prizes and, and rewards and that. And then also um, we're doing this coaching program, the six-month coaching program called Forever and Flow to help people step into alignment and step into their flow and, and really be at ease and, and comfortable with, with what's going on in themselves and, and just have more joy and get more out of life, whether that's through business or just personal. And, and those projects I'm, I'm really excited to be working on right now. Perfect. Thank you so much, Eli. Now, if our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you in social or email or website? Yeah, so um, peaceandharmonyco.com is our website. Then if they're interested in the Forever and Flow program, take this quiz now.com. And I am on Instagram at Eli, Eli A-D. It's E-L-I, E-L-I-A-D. And I, I'm not very good at posting, but I do post sometimes. <laughs> but if, if anyone wants to send a message there, I'm, I'm happy to respond. Perfect. Thank you so much, Eli, for speaking with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Debbie, for having me. It was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Eli. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview where he shares why taking control can slow down progress. Hey, listeners, thank you for listening to this episode. And I'm so thankful for your support. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and get suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, and so much more. Feel free to reach out at hello at theoffbeatlife.com and let me know what you'd like to hear. If you like the show, don't forget to give us some love and review on iTunes. Thank you again for being a part of this journey, and I can't wait to hear how your location-independent story will unfold.